Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Bible. I'm going to go to 1 John. I really have to tell you, this is the first time in nearly 40 years that I had a two-word sermon. Literally. Uh, I, it, it's all I can do from just saying two words and sitting down. And, and if, if you know me, that's, that would be a miracle. Uh, but but it literally, I can sum up this morning's message. It's my Christmas message to you. And I can sum it up in two words. Love one another. And I, I would close this year with those two words. Um, I actually think that we live in a society that is devoid of it. Uh, I actually just think we live in a culture that's forgotten the directives that we've received. So uh, if you want to turn me off right now and sleep, you'll be all right. First John chapter 4, I'm going to read some of my favorite verses. I remember Ann and I moved to Hutchinson on December the 4th, and uh, for the next 13 weeks I preached this message. And I preached it Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. I got pretty good at it. Uh, and I kept asking the Lord, when do I get to hush? And he said, when they get it. Well, there are only 22 of us. It took 13 weeks. First <laughs> John chapter 4, verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Can I get an amen? Amen. Then if you'd stand with me, I'm going to go to Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. And read a few verses there. So just stand for the reading of the gospel. Luke 10, verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? And so he answered him and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. Say with me, do this, and you will live. Father, I pray this morning that the words of your scripture would come just alive inside of us. I pray more that we would encounter this love of which you speak. I pray that we would experience it, that it would settle down inside of us, that, Lord, it would cause us to live more abundantly than we ever have. I ask it in Christ's name, and all God's people said, you can be seated. Uh, He gave his son. He gave his son. I mean, I was thinking about it in first service because Oscar was in first service, and I thought, if I ask Oscar to give me, yeah, that's going to happen, right? I mean, to think about giving a child, to to letting go of a child, the only begotten Son of God, it it also dawned on me that this is the only time that God ever participated with humanity to create something, that before He had spoken and it was so, or He had formed and breathed and it was so, but this time He partnered with Mary. And so that the child that is born is part God, part, or all God and all human, right? And He gave us His Son the thing that he most cherishes. 
Again, you have to feel that if someone was giving your chi- their child to you, think about the depth of that love. Think about the intensity of that love. And I've often wondered, why, why give your son? And I, I have to tell you that in the last couple, three weeks as I've looked around and traveled a little bit, everywhere I go, people tell me I'm tired. They, they're just tired. And what they're really saying is this whole last 20 months or so, they're just fatigued. You know, when this first started, uh, it, you could understand why people would be afraid, right? I mean, there were things unknown. Uh, but I think fear has turned into fatigue. It's just turned into people just tired of it. People are tired of hearing about, right? And and the only way that you can be strengthened when you're fatigued if is someone comes in and takes over something for you, right? Have you ever been tired to the bone and you just even know? But if someone showed up to help you, right? If they come to take some of that weight off of you, that that to come into your fatigue and into your tiredness. Listen, when I read the story of Jesus, he comes into our humanity. He comes in and he sits with and he begins to take the weight off of. Yesterday I was in a couple's home and uh, the old gentleman is processing. He's going to heaven. And if you've never been there, you ought to go with me sometime. And you step into a home and there's the hospital bed and here's the different families around. And, and, and you know, what, what I've come to realize in those moments is as much as I have faith and power and all that, you step in those moments and there's not much you can do but just be in the room. There's not much you can do to fix it. And unlike, uh, listen, I, I'm, I'm as faithful as all of you, but there are moments you step in and you just know this person's going to heaven. And, and the best gift you can give is to just be there and kind of lift that. You do understand that Christ comes into humanity and he doesn't always fix everything you want him to fix. But he comes into your humanity and he just kind of feels your fatigue and your suffering And this Jesus that we celebrate coming on Christmas is the same Jesus that will eventually go into our suffering and our death and just hang on a cross. Not because there's nails in his hands. The nails did not hold Christ to the cross. What held him to the cross is his love for you. And he'll be held to that cross because he's experiencing all the suffering of humanity and he's taking that suffering off of us. He's taking that sin off off of us and he's gonna he's gonna come into humanity and give himself to us I, i think if i think about christmas i think we've become so familiar to it that we've lost the real meaning of it of this gift of himself that he comes to take on the burdens that we have been sentenced with frankly and to lift it off of us you see in a season when i've never seen humanity so tired Never seen. What is needed is for love to come in and lift that. For love to come in and be beside us. We'll, we'll never fix this by telling people to have more faith. We'll never fix this by telling people to get over it. The only way we can help one another is to come in and shoulder some of this. And feel that weight of it. And love people in the midst. There was nothing I could do yesterday but to love people in the midst of that moment. And allow that love to begin to pick up some of that strength and some of that. Jesus comes into humanity after thousands of years of telling us that he loves us. He begins to manifest his love in our lives. And this child that is born in the manger, this child that is all God and all man, comes to reveal to us the very love of God for us.
I, I love John the Apostle. I love him more than any of the rest because he just is so poignant. He, he, he moves past all the manger scenes and he just says the word became flesh. The love became one of us. And real quickly he, he starts uncovering the questionnaire that Christ gives to his disciples. What do you want? Is this question that hangs in the air all the way through the Gospel of John. Jesus, what do you want? You see, most of us are a little nervous of saying, well, I just need to be loved. But can I tell you, in the base of every one of you, in the soul of every one of you this morning, you want to be loved. You want to be affirmed. You want to be accepted. You want to be appreciated. You want to be honored. And you want to be affirmed and appreciated and honored for who you are, not for who someone wants you to become. When I was a child growing up, the song I can remember almost more than any others was the song we sang when we gave an altar call. Just as I am without one plea. You see, we came just as we were. There wasn't this idea that we would come to God in the promise that we would become, but that Christ came into our humanity and it took us as we are right now. That's what it means to come into the embrace of the love of God is to realize that he came into humanity just as it is and that he loves us just as we are, not as we promise to be or not as someone else wants us to be. You see, I have to tell you that most of what people pass off as love today is just sheer attachment. I'm attached. I feel kind of feely towards you, and I'm attached to you. But the minute you let me down, then we're done. The minute that you and I don't agree, then this relationship is over. But love is not that way, is it? The love that God is doesn't come and ask you to perform or to be. The love that God is comes into your life and accepts you and affirms you and appreciates you as you are right there. What do you want? See, he doesn't ask us what we believe or what we think. He asks us to be vulnerable enough to express what's in our heart. I need to be loved. I need to be affirmed. I need to be appreciated. Can I tell you, to not be loved and affirmed and appreciated and accepted that's death. That's just the epitome of non-living. But to be alive is when another person affirms you and values you and honors you and calls you in. Christmas reminds us that Christ comes to us, that we really don't go to Christ. That Christ stoops down into our humanity to say that we are valuable, to acknowledge that he created us and that he comes to redeem us. And John, I love John. John's always that guy that's going, beloved, beloved. John, it, John is the first one to say, I'm the one Jesus loved. I mean, when, when he shows up and he's writing the end of his gospel, he, he says to them, the one whom Jesus loved was at the cross. John was at the cross. John's the only one that watched the crucifixion of all the disciples. And, and, and when he gets to write his story about it, he, he says, and, and, and the one whom Jesus loved. See, John's the only one that ever really recognized that he was loved, or at least he was the first. And, and he saw his identity, his entire being, as one who's beloved of God. It's interesting to me, after four, nearly 40 years of ministering and preaching, most people walk up and say, I'm a believer. 
I love John. He comes up and says, I'm beloved. You see, most people want to deal with what they think in their head, and God's trying to deal with what we know in our heart. This morning, as we look towards Christmas, what we're supposed to know is that we're the beloved, that he came to reveal and show and acknowledge his love for us. Not necessarily make us believers, but if you love something, you'll become a believer in the one that loves you. The people that doubt who God is and say they're a non-believer, it's because they've never experienced the belovedness of God. And John writes in 1 John, Beloved, love one another. You can't love someone else until you know you're loved. You, you, you really cannot love another until you love yourself. And there's a lot of people that are having trouble with loving themselves, right? They, they, they've actually rejected themselves. Self-rejection is the largest temptation and the biggest trap of the 21st century. If I reject who I am, I can never receive who you are. To be self-rejecting is to look at ourselves and always never able to live up to the perfection that we put upon ourselves. I've realized more than anything that most people don't reject me. It's me having rejected myself that keeps me diminished out of the reality of knowing who God is in every area of my life. John knew that God loved him. John knew that he said, this is your mother and this is your son. At that moment, you are my brother. You've moved from just being a neighbor. You've moved to being a brother. And John says, listen, if you say you love God, but you hate a brother, you're a liar because you cannot know God and not love each other. The hypocrisy of that is embedded in humanity's DNA is to think that we could love this person but not love that person. No, because love loves all people. Love comes and embraces the totality of who we are and the totality of humanity and calls us all brothers and sisters. Beloved, let us love one another. Let us move beyond this design of handpicking who we love and who we don't love, who we like or who we don't like. Listen, Facebook is of the devil. I'm just telling you, this whole social media thing is of the enemy. You know how many children today are just in, in straits because they didn't get enough likes? They just didn't get enough hits? Hits. That's a drug term, right? I could take a hit of that and I didn't get enough hits? Oh, figure it out. We know that today adolescents are at an all-time depressive high and a lot of it is, is the result of this idea that I have to be liked or I have to get hits or someone makes fun, bullying has now gone viral. It's on TikTok. I mean, my God, I walked in here Friday and I couldn't get in. The doors were all locked and it's because somebody did a TikTok. Who, who would have thought that, right? And I guess there was stuff going on that we should have been cautious we're not going to solve the problem by attacking TikTok. We've got to solve the problem by going even more base than that. We're supposed to love one another. I'm waiting for someone to put a TikTok out that says today we're just going to be kind to everybody and let it go so viral that the world runs out in the street to receive the kindness of God. Listen, you never battle hate with hate. You always battle hate with love. That's what Dr. King said. Beloved, let us love one another. For this is love, not that we love God, but that he first, say first, he loved me. Here's the greatest question that I was ever asked. Quentin, do you know that God loves you? I, I simply didn't in 1979, 80. I simply did not know that. 
I knew what people expected of me, but I really had not resolved the reality that God loved me just the way I was at that moment. That moment changed everything in my life. I'm, I'm telling you that when, when that happened, ask Annie. I was not, the moment that question was asked, I was a different person. My priorities changed. Everything in my life was altered. All of a sudden I could see clearly because I recognized I was loved. They didn't ask me if I was saved. They didn't ask me if I knew Jesus. They didn't ask me if I believed in water baptism by sprinkling or by dunking or whether I believed in Catholics or Pentecostals. They asked me one simple question. Do you know God loves you? I had never had anybody ask me, do you know that? Didn't ask me if I believed it. They asked me if I knew it. And the crazy thing about it is I knew very little about the Bible. But I knew the man sitting in front of me loved me. And he wasn't real sure why he loved me, but I knew he loved me. You see, you cannot grow in head knowledge into the reality that you're loved. You have to experience that love. And the only way to experience that love is from another human being. Listen to me, I can tell you that God loves you, but until you experience that unconditional love from another human being, you'll not think it's real. That's why the enemy attacks relationships. That's why the enemy attacks marriages and friendships, is because if the enemy can break something up, then you will begin to doubt whether you are lovable. You'll begin to think maybe there's something wrong with you. Do you know this morning that God loves you without condition? without restraint, without you, whether, whether or not you ever do anything else, can I tell you, God will never love you more than he loves you right now. You, you'll, you'll never perform in a way to where you get a better mansion in heaven. Listen, you talk about, never mind, don't go there. Look at your neighbor and say, God loves you. What if we spent the next 365 days looking at one another saying, God loves you? you. How about this? Say, say this with me. God loves me. I love me. I'm telling you that this will change America. This, this little, if we just got up this morning and went out and said in response to the coming of Jesus, because he loved us, we're going to love others. We're not going to care whether they're on this side of an issue or that side of an issue. We're not going to care whether they have this opinion or that opinion. Can I tell you the last five years have broke my heart. I've had people break relationship with me because I wasn't on this side of an opinion or because it wasn't on that side of the opinion. Well, which one is it? Because <laughs> I got to tell you, I don't cherish my opinion about any of it. Seriously. How many of you have changed your opinion a few times in your life? Listen, last four or five years, I'm thinking, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. But, but it breaks my heart to see people, oh, I can love that, but I can't love that. Or I love this, but I don't love that. Jesus was born in a manger and gave himself to the whole world. We're going to sing about it in the next few days about how God loved the world and that he gave his life for sinners. He gave his life for people who hated him. He gave his life for people that were other than him. John says, we have known and we believe that the, of the love that God has for us. 
And if we know and we believe and we abide, say abide. That word abide means eternally sits down, never leaves the presence of, but always stays in that love of God. Can I tell you, it's not enough to know, it's not enough to believe. I have to abide with Anne. I have to live with Anne. And if I live with Anne, then after 44 and a half years of living, maybe love is real. Listen, if you're going to know love, you have to abide in that love. And you have to allow that love to become the center and the core. And the only thing that matters to me is that I might love another. 35 years ago when we moved here, the only message I had was love one another. And I got to tell you, 35 years later, it's still the only message that's worth telling you anything about. I really believe that the answers to all the issues of the world are our ability to love one another as Christ has loved us. And see, let me tell you, when you begin to see yourself the way God sees you, it'll change the way you think and feel about yourself. And somehow we got this idea that God was up there judging and evaluating and giving us a performance-based evaluation. And we live in a world that is so loud with evaluations of you're ugly, you're fat, you're short, you're skinny, you're this, you're that, that any time we hear that, we forget who we really are. We really are created in the image and the likeness of God. Inside of us are the seeds of greatness. We will stand beside the Creator for eternity and help Him create even more worlds. The potential that's hidden inside of us is so big that it would scare the world. No wonder the devil wanted to kill us. Because God was duplicating who He was in each one of us uniquely and profoundly. Every person in this room is created in the image of God. Jesus even said, know ye not that you were of the essence of God. That every one of you in this room have the created reality that you are both human and God at the same time. You're not God, but you're like God. You're of that same quality of created being. The person next to you is the image and the likeness. And if you cannot, oh my goodness. I'm like Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, and I think it's in the message, if I'm out of my mind, it's because of the love of God. If I'm crazy, it's because of the love of God. Because craziness stands up and says, no, everyone is received. Everyone is accepted. Everyone is loved. Everyone is appreciated. You don't have to jump through this hoop to be in. He already came through the hoop and brought you back. He came into the grave. He came into the cross. He came into humanity so that we might come into heaven with him. He did that. Look at your neighbor and say, you're loved of God. See, I think we get fatigued and we forget, right? We get tired and we can't remember that all the way through the Old Testament, I get tickled. I grew up in a Pentecostal world. (laughs) I grew up scared of whoever was holding the mic, scared to death. Number one, I thought they could see what I did the night before, right? I mean, I I was just scared to death. (laughs) I was scared to death of my grandma. I knew she could read my mind. I mean, it was... And, and it was promoted and promoted that, that, that God was an angry God. And I can't tell you the number of Sundays as a child, somebody would get up, Brother Mac would get up and he'd say, this day and this hour, if you don't stop doing this, God's going to kill you. Well, I paraphrase it. 
But it basically is you don't turn, you're gonna burn. I mean, that was really, I grew up with that. And so I had this perspective that, my God, if you, and I was 12. But the only thing I was guilty of at 12 was stealing bubble gum from Yangdles. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Yangdle were good people. I think they put the bubble gum there. Never mind. The truth of the matter is, is God's got a bad rap. He gets a bad rap. Because if you read the Old Testament, people interpret it as God coming and judging. Can I tell you, most of you, if you're having any problems in your life, it's the results of the consequences of your own actions and not really God's judgment. I wish you'd quit blaming everything that you're experiencing that's bad on God judging you. No, no, you chose to do that. And the consequences of that choice is probably that you're in a tight spot. And it is God that comes into your choices and forgives you and bails you out of the consequences. Am I making any sense? The gospel, as I read it, goes back and says that the Old Testament is the shadow of the New Testament and that if God is love in the New Testament, then he had to be love in the Old Testament. And maybe I need to read the Old Testament with a different pair of glasses. And so when I read the Old Testament, I come across stories like Jonah. And I come across these stories of Jonah and how God sends Jonah down to tell Nineveh it's their last chance. And he tells them it's their last chance, and guess what? God forgives them. And and, and Jonah the preacher gets mad. And I think it's so funny because in Jonah chapter 4, and I think he's got it on the screen, he says, I knew you were sheer grace and mercy not easily angered, rich in love, and ready at the drop of a hat to turn your plans of punishment into programs of forgiveness. Can I just tell you that God has programs of forgiveness, that He he is wired to forgive. It's men that want to justify how they punish somebody, but, but God will come in and He has a plan of forgiveness. You know, there are many people still mad that I'm saved. Many people still mad that I'm still saved. You'll get it in a minute. There's people that can't believe you're saved because they know you, right? Come on. And there's people that you're mad at and you can't believe God. How can they? Let's just be honest. We just can't understand why God blesses some people because we're better than that and we ain't getting blessed. I'm just saying what you thought. And then there's this story of Hosea, and Hosea is one of these, I could preach on Hosea all day. Uh, Hosea is this up-and-coming rising star in the Old Testament, and God speaks to Hosea and says, this is my will for you, I want you to marry a prostitute. (laughs) That's a word you don't want. (laughs) What does God want you to do with your ministry? He wants you to go down to the local house, and he wants you to marry, he doesn't even, you know, just talk about a bad political, and that's a bad move. And he goes and he marries the woman, right? How many of you know this story? It's found in Hosea. You can read it. It's a little book. You know, I have people all the time say, how do you read the whole book? Well, choose the smallest. <laughs> I'm pretty good at Philippians. <laughs> choose Jude. It's one page, right? Just choose the smallest. How do you read the Old Testament prophets? Well, you choose Amos because it's small. You choose Hosea, it's a little bigger. Don't jump into Isaiah until you've conquered the little one. If you get the little one, then go to, never mind. Hosea, it's a little story. You get it, and it's, it's pretty simple. Go marry the prostitute. I mean, you know, God, are you kidding? I, I didn't, 
I, I mean, I know people tell me I can't marry them because they've been married before. He told this dude. I'm like, am I even close? For those of you been married to divorce, you ought to be going. Phew. Go marry the prostitute. And he marries her. And they, they, they have three children. Or she has three children. None of them did he father. None of them did he father. I love the name. The, he, he named the first one, No Love Left. <laughs> if you're playing out in the yard and your, your mama's screaming, Hey, No Love Left, come here. That'd, that'd give you an identity issue, wouldn't it? You'd feel good about yourself, wouldn't you? The second one he names, I'll Forgive It. Come on. Your name is I'll Forgive It. <laughs> wow. And, and, and <laughs> the last one's really a hoot. Not mine. <laughs> Come on, not mine. Let's go to town. I mean, that'd really help you, right? And, and after they have these three children, he raises those three children. He raises them as his own. Takes him about 30 years. His ministry's kind of recovering. Got a nice mailing list. You know, got a nice slot on TVN. And the Lord speaks to him and says, oh, you remember that woman you married 30 years ago? Yeah, yeah. Well, she's, she's now an old hag. And they're selling her on an auction block back there down the alley. She has spent her life giving herself away in the temple. And I want you to go buy her back. Huh. And he does. The Bible says he redeemed that which he had by right. Do you, do you understand that God comes and values lives that we have trashed? And some of you ought to say, thank God. Because some of us have been that one standing down. Oh, if you try to take the Old Testament and make it out like God is judgmental, I, I, I don't. We need to have a serious reread. Because God doesn't become nice in the new. He was bad and he's nice and then he's going to be mean again at the end of the age. No, no, God never changes. God comes in to give a plan of forgiveness. God comes in to redeem that which has wasted its life on lascivious living. He redeems. And then I love the story of Mephibosheth. Anybody know? You're getting an Old Testament purview now. King David becomes king after Saul and Saul's son Jonathan dies, but Jonathan has a son named Mephibosheth who's a cripple down in Lodabar. And David goes, I, I need to show the love that I had for Jonathan to somebody. I have this love for Jonathan. And, I, and Jonathan's dead. Who do I show this love for? And they say, well, he's got a crippled son. He has a son. He has a son. We'll go get him and bring him here. And he brings Mephibosheth, who's been in hiding because he thought David would kill him. You know how many people are living in hiding from God because they're afraid of what God will do to them when the truth of them is God wants to sit them at a table. We used to sing a song, Carried to the Table. And they carried this crippled boy to the table. And the king looks at the crippled boy and says, now I'm going to restore to you everything that you ever lost. And besides that, you're not going to need it because I'm going to give you stuff from my table. Hear me, the story that God loves us is told over and over again with the story of Hosea, of Jonah, of Mephibosheth, about how God never stopped loving humanity even though humanity didn't deserve to be loved. And finally, God so loved the world that he came into our world. 
He came into humanity. He became the prostitute down the aisle. He, he, he became Jonah. He became you. He came to take our lives just as we are and redeem us, restore us, give us life. That's what Christmas is, is God coming into our lives. Christmas is so much more than we have thought it to be. It's the beginning or the end or the end and the beginning all wrapped up into one when God comes into our world. And you have to experience this. You can't arrive at it at head knowledge. You can't interpret it through the law. It's because a young man stepped into my home one afternoon and asked me, do you know that God loves you? I experienced that love that God had because that young man stepped into my home, sat down with me, and I'm I'm not even going to tell you what we were doing. We weren't being holy. I don't even care if you know anymore. I'm sitting there with a beer in this hand watching football. I could have cared less that he pastored the church. I could care less he was married to my cousin. He was a Lutheran. We had a place for Lutherans. And come to think of it, he is probably a Democrat. And he asked me, do you know that God loves you? Changed my life. It altered the direction of my marriage. It altered the way I love my children. It altered the way I viewed Lutherans. (laughs) Some of you are going, (gasps) and you know the next statement I want to make. Because I have not slipped back. I I love Democrats. Because Pete asked me, do you understand that love triumphs every definition of people? That when love comes into your life, all you can see now is the value of another human being. All those other labels. Listen, they didn't change in the last four years. They changed in 1979 when Jesus revealed his love to me. I got to tell you, the last four or five years, I have not had to stutter because I don't see any of that. I could care less because I'm loved and you're loved. And that love will never fail. That love will never stop. That love will never end. And every time I approach Christmas, I'm so grateful to be loved. I feel a little arrogant to say I believe. I do. But I'm beloved first and foremost and above all. And if I have any faith, it's because I'm loved. Look at your neighbor and say, God loves you. You see, that love is the most important, it's the most valuable thing in my life to get up in the morning and know that another human being confirmed the reality that I'm loved. And every night before we fall asleep, another human being confirms the fact that I'm loved. Am I making any sense? I think to be alone has got to be a real challenge. Because not to have somebody look at you and say, you're loved. 
That has to be emptiness. And to miss a moment of telling my children that I love them. I don't... Look at your neighbor and say, God loves you. I love you. He sent me to tell you that you're loved. The only message that I have is that you are my beloved, upon my favor rest. You know, one of the things that I think is complicated in, in our culture is we've allowed attachment to take the place of real love. I feel attached. I feel, but that's not love. Attachment grasps at something, but love affirms. St. Augustine says that friendship gives the gift of belovedness to another human being. That a real friend comes and confirms the belovedness. And that belovedness is not based on whether or not you think you're worthy. It's based upon the fact that he says you are. I love Peter where he says, above all else, have love one for another because love will cover a multitude of sins. Did you know that because he loves you, your sins have been removed? That because he loves you, he doesn't challenge your reality, but changes it? Listen, I love Maya Angelou. A statement that Maya Angelou says is, you can only become truly accomplished at something that you love. You can only become truly accomplished at it if you love it. 35 years ago, I I knew one thing I wanted to do in Hutchinson, Kansas. I wanted to become an accomplished lover. I wanted to, to be kind and patient. I wanted to believe the best about all of you. I I wanted to reveal to every segment of society, whether they were bikers, whether they were travelers, whether they were friends I grew up with in Moline, Kansas, whether they were of this affiliation or that affiliation or that color or that color or this denomination, all I've ever wanted to do is just love every person. When I see Jacob run up here, all I think I care is that Jacob knows I love him. If nobody remembers anything, they're going to know that I love them. And every one of you sitting in this room, I love you. And if I can love you, then it's because God loved you. Am I making any sense? We could solve every issue in our culture. We could resolve every debate if we just had love one for the other. Now the gospel. A certain lawyer asked him, what must I do to have eternal life? That's the question, right? What must I do to have eternal life? And he said, well, what does the law say? And the lawyer said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, thy strength, and thy neighbor as thyself. And Christ goes, ah, do this and live. And the lawyer. Anybody know a lawyer? I have one listening to me in the back that I probably will have supper with tonight. And I kind of talked to him about this yesterday. Lawyers are always looking for loopholes. Ambiguities in the law. Right? I mean, how many of you ever hired a lawyer and you're looking for... Or you go to tax accountants and you're looking for loopholes. 
Lawyers are good at looking for loopholes. Who is my neighbor? See, love has no loopholes. Love, love doesn't look for loopholes. Love doesn't look for loopholes to like or dislike, love or not love. Love looks for no ambiguity. See, love triumphs over the law. And he goes in Matthew 22, this is the greatest commandments. Upon these commandments hang all the rest of the law. Love God and love your neighbor. What if I told you there's just two laws, and as long as you did those, none of the rest of them had any effect on you? That's really what God is saying. That if you love God with all, say all. That means all your priorities, God comes first. If you love God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself, you will live. How many of you want to live more abundantly in the years to come than you've lived now? I do. I want to live. Listen, every day I get up and there's another ache. I want to live more abundantly than I do now. I want to live in the fullness that God has and that greatness, that, he, that eternal stuff, that, that beyond stuff. That I want to live in that. He said, if you do this, you'll live. He didn't say if you didn't do that. Most Christianity is based on if you don't do that. Jesus didn't say that. He said if you do this, you don't have to worry about don't. If you focus on doing, you don't have to. Look at your neighbor and say, God loves you. I love you. Do this and you shall live. I actually think that most of Christianity is focused on being an attorney. Okay, okay, these are in and these are out and these are up and these are down. <laughs> no, there's no, there's no loopholes. And, and, and Christ launches his reality of heaven into us with a whole different response. There was a certain man who left Jerusalem to go to Jericho. That meant he was Jewish. And while he was on the way there, thieves attacked him and threw him in the ditch and left him for dead. And a priest, a representative of the law, walked by. And a Levite, a lawyer, walked by. But a Samaritan. You fill in. the. I could fill it in for you, but you'd get mad at me. You fill in, but... But a person that doesn't like you, they're the wrong fill in the blank. And, and, and they don't like you and you don't like them. Am I making any sense? The, the, the one that we're most prejudiced against, the one that we don't even think God likes, they stop. You, you know, if a Lutheran stops, it's got to be God. I hope Pete watches this. If a Catholic stops, it's got to be God. But a Samaritan, the one that you have the most problems with, he stops. And he takes the man into town, pays for his medical expenses, pays for his housing, comes back to check on him, pays another month. And Christ said, which one's the neighbor? The one that has shown mercy. Have you ever asked God to do something in your life and, and it came through the person you least expected? Or have you ever been in a tough spot and the people that you thought you could count on? You couldn't, right? 
And, and I can remember praying one night, God, the next person that touches me, I'm going to be healed. And then she did. I had to, not that one. <laughs> Healing always comes through that source that you didn't like. You better be careful who you don't like. You better be careful who you've decided is going to hell. You better be careful who you've marginalized. Because God will work through that person. <laughs> who is thy neighbor? Can God work through you to touch people you don't like? Can God work through you to love a Muslim? I could go down the list. My heart has been broken for several years. Can you, can you love the person that you disagree with? I've had a lot of practice because Annie and I don't agree on much anything. <laughs> it's true. Listen, church, God loved us and we certainly are not, if you really think about it, it's hard to love us. I mean, we didn't offer God much. He didn't need much from us. We certainly didn't think like God thought. His thoughts are higher than ours. I mean, nobody in this room can, can really put on airs like we really were worth loving. <laughs> I'm going to back up. <laughs> who, is the, who is the neighbor? Well, the neighbor is the one that can love people that, that are different. The, you and I are called to love the world the way God loved us. You and I are called to love like that good Samaritan. Go do this and you'll live. I'm telling you, I can sum the whole message up in love one another. Christmas comes and proves to us that love isn't looking for a way out, but for a way in. Not looking for a way out of this mess, but, but comes into the ambiguities of humanity that is always trying to justify why they love or why they hate or why they love comes into that and takes away those ambiguities and says with certainty, I love you. I love you. I don't care whether you're in this room or whether you're at home. I don't care what you did or you didn't, you have or you haven't. God loves you. God loves you. Even when you don't love yourself, He loves you. He'll cut through the religion you were raised with. He'll cut through all of that. And if you receive that this morning, it'll change your life. Because love is not something you can achieve. It's something you receive. Hmm. Look at your neighbor and say, God loves you. And I love you. This is the only message four times Annie's come to me and she goes I'm pregnant she had to tell me pretty early she's only four foot eleven and a half and if she didn't tell me early it wasn't going to be hard to tell because if someone comes and tells you they're pregnant they're, they're going to show It look at your neighbor and say it's going to show 
Can I tell you that when you begin to love people, it's going to show. It's going to show in the way you talk. It's going to show in the way you respond and react. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to show. Look at your neighbor and say, God loves you. And I love you. And it's going to start to show. Every year about this time, I generally have a prophetic word from God uh, about what God's going to do in the next season. And over the last three or four weeks, I generally go to Missouri and I have this. I didn't go to Missouri. That's the problem. And so I begin to get these inklings, but nothing. I got this word on peace and favor, but nothing. And so this week, every day this week, I come in the office and Pastor Sean would be going, what's the theme? <laughs> right? What's the, Ashley's going, I need to order banners. <laughs> so we hang them in the hallway. So was, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so Friday, I sit most of the time at home working, and I'm <laughs> working on this message. And seriously, I, I asked him, what, do I, what am I supposed to tell him this Sunday? He said, to love each other. That's really it. And I've meandered up here for a while, but that's it. Nothing spectacular. I haven't got a video to close with. That's it. So I sit there with my dog and my cat staring outside, and I said, Lord, I have nothing to tell them for 22. Nothing. Now, now listen to me. This is going to be a joke. <laughs> Don't go real serious. When I get serious, I'll tell you, this is a joke. I'm sitting there. It really happened, but it was a joke God played on me. He goes, if I have to explain it, it's not funny, right? He said, tell them there'll be no more flu in 2022. And I sat there on my couch. I I cannot go tell them there's going to be no more flu in 2022. But I sat in my living room. There'd be no, I called Annie. I said, the Lord just told me there'd be no more flu. <laughs> and seriously, I'm sitting on my couch with my New York cup, and I could hear God giggle. I could hear him giggling. Are you giggling? Now I'll be serious. If you only knew what I was going to do in 2022, my love will never fail you in 22. You see, I'm for you, and if I'm for you, who can be against you in 2022? So don't be blue. Tell the devil to shoo, shoo, shoo in 2022. So what's in store for you in 22? Well, let me tell you, I'm not looking for loopholes to stop loving you. Because of my love for you in 2022, here's what you do. Love one another as I have loved you. And you will break through into all that I have for you in 2022. So here's my word. You're going to break through in 2022 to the degree that you love others as he has loved you. So let it start showing 
Father's house. Let it start showing. Let that love break through, right? I believe next year is going to be a breakthrough year from everybody. I got to tell you, as I, as I tried to write the message and put it down, it dawned on me that every one of us are being challenged in some area of our lives to love others. I, I know it's true for me that God has put a demand on that love. Right? So don't, don't, don't think this is going to be necessarily easy. That would be naive, right? Hallelujah. Would you grab hands with somebody this morning? You know how good it is after 21 and 20 and 21 to say, oh, go ahead and grab hands. <laughs> Hallelujah. Lord, my simple prayer is that everyone in this room would know that you love them. My bigger prayer is that you would help us to love each other. Help us to love the world. Help us to love what we consider good and what we consider bad. Help us, Lord, to mature and to grow. Help us to be better lovers than we've ever been before. And Lord, I pray that everyone in this room would break through into new dimensions of you. I tell the devil to shoo, shoo, shoo. To get off of everyone. Hey, I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers and that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time. Time.